Hey everyone, Phil here. I wanted to pop in here in front of the episode and give everybody a heads up that there are some audio... I'm going to go with imperfections on this one. Uh, I had some static. I had some uh, outside noise kind of coming through. I did as good as I could to clean it up. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing's perfect. And this audio is no exception. So I just wanted to give everybody a heads up. If it is a little too rough for you, uh, no hard feelings. If not, please enjoy this great conversation that I had with Corey Scott. We really get into the weeds with a lot of things. And I am really glad that he agreed to sit down and talk to me. I am really sorry that my audio engineer skills leave a little bit to be desired. Uh, anyway, uh, you have been warned and um, enjoy. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. My name is Phil Rude. Austin will not be here this evening. Uh, instead, I invited a friend um, and a, a collaborator to sit in with me in his place uh, so we could just kind of shoot the shit for a little while. So everybody, please welcome Mr. Corey Scott. Corey, how are you? I'm good. If Austin's not here, does that make you my dad? Oh, man. I I guess so. Uh, I, I guess no, I, 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 I guess I'm supporting you. Um, you know, come on over and uh, yeah, help yourself to whatever's in the pantry, whatever's in the fridge. Uh, get high, get high in the garage, and um, uh, <laughs> take over the TV. Yeah, I guess it's like the uh, Zappa Beeblebrock's hereditary thing of uh, there was an accident with a contraceptive and a time machine. it's um what's that robert heinlein uh thing where he's his own parents oh gosh uh all you zombies that short story i've not read that but that uh it's it's pretty uh there the there's an ethan hawk movie based on it i can't remember what it's the movie is called but the short story is really wild uh it involves time travel and um gender reassignment surgery Okay. Uh, and it's it's a pretty wild ride. Ethan yeah. Hawke does not shy away from the weird. No, I like Ethan Hawke for that reason. For as Me, much uh, a drivel as he does sometimes, he does some really interesting things. I, I like him. You know, it goes back for me to The Explorers, which was a 80s sort of preteen movie. Uh, Joe, Joe, and, Joe Dante. Uh, yeah, him uh, and River Phoenix. Yeah. And... Uh, Oh, God. Some, some third kid. Uh. Yeah, the third kid who, who did not seem <laughs> yeah. to do anything after that. Yeah. And uh, the girl of, of his uh, of his fantasies, I think, is the the woman from Can't Buy Me Love. But, uh, oh, yeah. wow. And, and Robert Picardo, I think, plays, like, the space action guy in, in some of the movie scenes. So... A lot of fun uh, stuff in that. Yeah, and the, um, the old guy from Gremlins, uh, the guy with the snowplow. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's like the sheriff in that. Yeah. Um, I want to say, uh, it was either red letter media or, 
Welcome to the Basement on YouTube, recently did Explorers. And I don't know that I've ever seen that movie in its entirety. Oh, but, I used to watch it obsessively as a kid. Uh, I, was a, I was a Flight of the Navigator kid. Um, yeah, it was um, was my my kid in space <laughs> movie of choice in in the eighties. But um, yeah, that uh, Explorers has come up a lot in, recently around me. I, I don't know what it is in the in the zeitgeist. It, it keeps coming I think back about around. Ten years ago, I got a, a double DVD set from from Walmart or something, and it was Explorers and Space Camp. Oh, Space Camp, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what was Joaquin Phoenix in that? I believe so, and uh, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, yeah, and that weird robot that weird launched robot. them into space. Jinx, Jinx, yeah, uh, yeah. Space Camp was uh, camp. <laughs> it yeah, was definitely camp. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was. It was something. Yeah. What if I went to Space Camp and they launched me into space? <laughs> that was the goal. All along. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, where do you want to start with this? We could sit here and talk about old Ethan Hawke uh, and 80s kids in space movies all day. I, isn't um, that really where all ideas come from? Is the things that we did as kids and, it, and wind up sticking with us for 40 years? That's usually how we get where we are. Uh, do, do you want to do the podcast of terror thing where we just talk about everything except the thing we actually came to talk about? And, well, I mean, and then we, we jam that in in the last 10 minutes? I feel really lousy because podcast of terror was not around for when they brought back and then got rid of the Mexican pizza again. Uh, that, was, that was like our moment that was we were, we were going to shine so bright when that we were happened. waiting for it. Yeah. yeah and we just weren't paying attention. Yeah, it's like it's like not having your doomsday cult together when the comet actually shows up. You know, like what what are we doing with ourselves? What do you here? mean there's a shortage on Kool Aid? What are you talking about? Yeah. No, we're not going to have Tang. S- supply chain. What are you going to do? Yeah, Tang. We're back to space. Yeah. Yeah, I but, I don't know. I mean, this is a very weird. St- something to talk about for me because i don't know what happened i literally have no idea i was just sitting there i was like most of my 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 fits of writing i was avoiding doing something else for sure and in in this case i think i was avoiding writing uh what was started as a short story and was supposed to eventually probably become a screenplay that would never launch to anything as one does. And I was not in the mood. I, I, I had gotten into a a somewhat worthwhile habit. I'm lucky enough that when we moved out here to Michigan about four years ago, our little house is right across the street from a dairy bar, which is like a little ice cream shop slash diner. Yeah. It's more diner than it is ice cream. And what I've started doing is getting up on Sunday mornings getting cleaned up, going across the street, having an unhealthy breakfast and reading a little bit on my Kindle and then coming home and trying to write. And a Sunday back at the very beginning of October last year, I came home and my mood was not to write the thing that I was supposed to be writing with, again, self-imposed assignment. Sure. And I just came home and dicked around and created this little dumb story you know which is basically a narrative and i i puked it out and because of you 
I've been trying to release stuff out there as opposed to just letting it sit and stew into nothingness. Uh, or braise, technically. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I, I posted it, and a little while later, you just suddenly started sending me art pieces from it. I didn't uh, know there were art pieces for it. Yeah, it um it snowballed. It um to to uh bring everybody up to speed of what we're talking about, we are talking about your short story uh Nictitate. Yeah, again, no I, I I I stumble on that. I've worked on this for several months and I uh I'm like I don't know this word. It Leave is it a, to a fascinating word. Me to create a title that has the word "tit" right in the center. Um, <laughs> must be what drew me to it. Yeah, <laughs> must <like. be. laughs> uh, no, I, I I wrote the thing and I was just like, well, and I, and I need to come up with a name for it. And I, I just kind of Google searched, and that was the word that made the most sense. It's the word uh, of the day. Yeah, nictate or nictitate. Uh, they're, it's, they're both variations of the same thing. Basically means blink or uh, wink one eye. And I was like, all right, that sounds horrid enough to go with this. <laughs> it's a great word, man. I like I like when, when you just hear a word, you're like, I've never heard that word before, but I really like it. Or uh, or just something, a, a word that's underused. I always like the, the word or term uh, brouhaha. Yeah. Whenever you can like say, whenever I can live like brouhaha and I'm like, yeah, that's such a that's such a great word. Uh when but I, when I was yeah. a kid, I used to have this giant set of uh Funk and Wagnall uh encyclopedias and they had these two tomes that were their dictionaries, like A through multi and then multix through yeah, yeah. the end. Like all and, the school libraries had those those yeah. same ones. Yeah. And and we were fortunate enough to have them at my at the apartment that my mom had. And I used to just pour through those things all the time. And I would read the dictionary for fun. It, 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 I just kind of would fall into words and, and flow through it. I get hooked on a letter for a little bit. And so the the character name that I came up with when I was in fifth grade with one of my best friends, uh, Bill Tarangio. My last name was uh, Cantwell. It still is, but we don't talk about that. Sure. And and so I created this comic book character, and I decided to use our initials for for him. And I was like, all right, CT. Captain makes sense for a superhero. That that goes with everything. But I, I needed something for the T. And for some reason, my mind drew into Temerity. And I went and I opened up the dictionary, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, Temerity, Foolish Boldness. That is 100% what this there, there character is. is. Yeah. And it has stuck with me pretty much ever since. My mom was uh, was really drawn to it. She named a cat after him at one point. And then when LiveJournal came about, that was what I started using LiveJournal and just kind of used it ever since. But I've always been that person. I will accidentally use a word well. Uh, yeah, uh, it, uh, sometimes it, it, that, that's a gift to just kind of stumble into a good vocabulary, man. Yeah, and and it, it's funny because I've had friends say like you you say things and it doesn't sound like it's a hundred percent accurate, but somehow it makes enough sense that you just sort of get away you with it. You just roll with it, yeah. Yeah, and, nah, I uh, get that. Yeah, and so when it comes to titles and things like that, sometimes I'll, I'll focus. I'll have a title before I'll have a story, and I'll try to like um, parse it back. And then other times it's just like, well, here's a story. What do I what do I do with it? 
and that was that was Nick Tate. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, however, whatever order you come up with it in, it it generally works. And and in this case, this was a a story. I think you um you had your was it captaintemerity.com where you were uh kind of blogging yeah uh, for a while i kept on top of that i i i checked in with that pretty regular oh you're the I, one i i am the one uh, apparently I, I i get it i have a blog that uh nobody visits as well it's it's there i don't expect anybody to visit my blog if i don't visit myself and that becomes yeah, the uh, thing the last thing i wrote there i think was possibly the story maybe one thing past it um and i i Again, I used to love LiveJournal. I love the interactions of it, and I love the fact that it was really, you know, writing things. It, at some point, it became overrun with pictures and memes and and links to music and stuff very early on of the internet of what those things were and what they could be. But for the most part, it was people writing yeah. a, a diary online or their feelings online. And then there was some interactions. You had friends lists. You had people you followed. But you were really writing to your board. And that's what got you discovered by other people and so on. And social media has not been that way since. I, I, I don't feel right. like Facebook does that. I, I certainly don't think Twitter does that. It, Twitter will have more conversation than I think Facebook does. But I don't know if it's necessarily better conversation. Not in my experience, no. And yeah. as far as traffic to uh, an extra... I'll... I'll we can sit here and be old men talking about the old uh, <laughs> blogosphere days, but like there is like something frustrating about maintaining a website, maintaining a blog, and the day that you just realize like, oh, nobody goes to anything that's not on a social media feed anymore. Like, but try they, to find stuff on a social media feed. Like, if exactly. I, if I yeah. was posting stories to Twitter, I know that there are authors that do that, and it's amazing, and there are feats that happen from that. Like, um, Chuck Wendig did a, a blog back and forth with a friend and they wound up coming up with a whole movie script that became some something on sci-fi channel with I think Allison Hannigan a few years ago. Oh really? And it, yeah. And and I, I love that. I love that people can utilize these things in ways that I haven't thought of in ways that I probably just couldn't do. That's great. I don't want to say TikTok doesn't have worth because it's not my thing. And I don't want to say that Facebook doesn't have worth, although we found the worth of Facebook Kind of goes to. I think we. I think we all know what the worth of Facebook is. True. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but for me, what what the internet, the interactive portion of it, live journal was just sort of perfect. And I used to write sure. stuff and post it to live journal, and it was usually little bits and pieces here and there. I wasn't writing whole novels or anything. I don't know that that's what I would necessarily want to do. But every once in a while, I'd have some short story piece or some like little scene or bits of dialogue, and I would write it to live journal. And that was just my outlet. And I try to use the blog as an outlet, but it's hard because even for me, it's competing with things like LiveJournal and or right. not Live Journal, like uh, Facebook and, and Twitter and stuff, because those are things where I see other people. And I, I hunger for interaction more than I hunger to create sometimes. And that's a bummer because it used to just be my, my creating was getting away from the loudness of everything else. And now I'll sit and I'll scan on my phone for four hours and see the same post repeated over and over again or see the same memes yeah. a thousand times and really feel kind of crappy about it, but I can't seem to stop myself from doing it. And 
I want to at least for myself have some place to put these things. And it's not about discovery for anybody except for me discovering myself what my voice is again, what my writing process is again. Do I ever make it to what I consider the next level? And so that was, again, encouraged by you to be a place for me to do that. And I've been trying to do it for a long time. It, it, it's hosted on the uh, Donuts Comics site that I created for uh, Levi for uh, his Levi, comics yep. and everything for Bowyer, just for a place for him to have these these comics presented. Um, and it's just kind of, it's one of those, like, you always have to update it. You always have to do these things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I, I, I forget for like six months and I come back to him like, Oh, hope it's not hacked. And, uh, well, yeah, okay, right, I, can, <laughs> I can run updates on 15 different sites and still have nothing to post on them. Yeah. Uh, I just, because you brought up, uh, Levi's site, you used to write, with you used to collaborate with Levi, correct? Yeah, well, uh, Levi, I've known for whew, thirty years, I guess. Uh, I met him when I was managing my, the first comic store I, I managed or worked at. Shortly before I I left Michigan to move to California, he came in one day. I actually met his uh, ex wife's cousin. She worked at our bank, and she mentioned his comics. And then I was like, oh, you should have him come in and, and talk to me sometime. I'd love to meet him. And then he started showing me the Levi's World stuff. And it hadn't been really published yet. He was going to do a self-publishing right. in the first issue. And then later on, it got published into a, a regular publisher and got listed through Diamond and all that stuff. But I was so into what he was doing. I mean, Levi did this poster for Levi's World. And it was just filled with a thousand different characters and ideas right. and stuff on this one piece of art. And I would stare at that for just hours on end and thought it was so magical. And that that is really representative of what his comic was. Levi's World, it's just packed with anything and everything that you could think of and everything he thought of. And some things I'm sure he feels like he didn't think of. They just wound up in there. It just uh, showed up, yeah. Yeah. And so I had a very wonderful friendship with, with Levi um, for a long time. And... He started doing a strip called Bowyar that was published in a, a local zine called Flint Comics uh, probably about 15 years ago or so. Okay. And he was basically, he was drawing it on the back of papers he was doing. He worked at a printing press, and he would just have to kind of keep the press going and maintain it and stuff. And so he'd have a lot of dead time where he'd just sit there and he'd draw on these little slips of paper that were, you know, the stuff that would normally yeah. be discards from the press. And that's when he started drawing Bowyer. And I was like, man, I love this. I, I'm so glad you're making stuff again. And I feel like you need to have a website so that people can find it. Because Flint Comics is great, but it's a zine that comes out. The issue's there. You get a couple strips from it, and then it goes away. And you, sure. you're never going to see a reprint from it. I'm like, at least have an online presence. And he was doing like Google blogs or something like that. And the stuff would never go in order. I had found out about comic <laughs> easel or comic press, uh, that, um, Frump was, I think doing at the time, there may have been a, a generation or something before that, but it sort of been like pre the big RSS feed. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like, yeah. And if I had been any smarter, he, he might've gotten really more from it than what I was capable of giving it. But I was just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll post these for you. 
you know, whenever they come out and, you know, I'll, I, I just wrote some random stuff in the blogs underneath them. So there was something to associate with what was there and sometimes not really any association. And I wanted to do that with the Levi's World stuff because it was out of print. And I wanted to do that with all the different stuff that he did. So we started doing spells and, and some of the other things. He did a, a side project of sort of an offshoot of Balyar called Strobe, which had these uh, two rabbits that got really popular called the Ether Bunnies. Um, <laughs> and, and even crossed over. So I like tried to make sure that they crossed over correctly on the strips, each with their own site, so they kind of lead it to each other and stuff. And then at some point, he asked me, he got stuck in a, a part on Balyar where he's like, I don't really know how to get out of this. And and I don't know if it was like, honestly, he didn't know or, or if he was just trying to pull me into it because he he's cool. He's Levi. He's a wonderful guy. And he knows that I like to write stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, you just do this. He's like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. You should write that strip for me. So I started scripting a couple of strips and I was on there for uh, a few. And and. Then he took over again, and then he had me come in as kind of like the co-writer for it for a little while. And then we were going into what was the second chapter, essentially. Like, he got to the point of, I'm kind of done with this portion of Abalyar. And I said, well, great. I have an idea for what to do with the next part. He's like, cool. We got it all planned out. We started doing it. And then, you know, life happens. (laughs) <laughs> so, like it does for like sure this, this giant fantasy epic that is Balyar part two that i called middle ground and uh you know someday but probably not yeah i think we all have those back burners that are full of things we meant to get to or uh you know, a lot of potential or maybe got out of the starting blocks but didn't you know then uh oh some life emergency happened or completely derailed you but yeah. um but Levi you, you talking... understand that oh, I, I totally understand for sure well I mean you understand that anything that you've made is at least made you know even if yeah. it's, it, it's not done or it's not 100% what you wanted or it didn't achieve what you wanted it to achieve necessarily it's at least something that's there you know it, it's it's substantive and I I still have problems with that with my own work but i'll look at that at somebody else's and i'm like this is amazing you know this is a piece of, of history of, of who you are and what you create and i i adore that and so again i try to preserve everything i have scribbles that my wife has done in notebooks of mine because i can't write in my notebooks i'm too freaked out by a blank page and she'll just like and scribble all over them <laughs> and make some amazing little art piece. And she'll never think twice about it again. She'll rip that out or like write a pizza order on it. And just, just like, yeah. And it's... I'm floored. I'm like, but this is so perfect. No, it's not. Okay. Yeah. For me, it is. It's uh, yeah. I have a, I have an office full of all of it here. Um, and yeah, I scribbled down things but then i'm like oh i might need to i need might need to reference this sketch later on so i better not throw it out and it goes on the pile and i don't see it for two years but uh yep yeah no i I, the archiving gets out of control really fast when i moved to california i came out there with a uh a mead five star sort of binder folder thing it had the zipper around it so it would hold your papers in it had the the three hole punch uh form to keep things in there and then the pockets so any kind of loose paper so stuff i would print up would go in the pockets and then i have the the notebook in there and i carry that thing around for like the first two years that i was in california people just referred to it as my life 
and and that always had like stories that were partially written and stories that were kind of being started and stuff that I wanted to get to and just random ideas would go down all the time. That I lived with that thing. And then digital kind of started to make a little bit more sense. Like I had computers from the Commodore 64 on up, but keeping stuff and archiving stuff, you know, those things like the discs that I would type on in school were on a Mac. I'd go home and I would have a completely different kind of system so they couldn't cross over. Um, when the online stuff happened and when you could start saving stuff to CD and it felt like there was a little bit more of a permanence to it, Right. Uh, the amount of crazy printouts that I still have to this day from Prodigy, um, some of them on loose leaf paper because we just ran out of, of printing paper. Right. I, yeah, I will. I will hold on to something forever. But there, there got to be a point where archiving stuff digitally meant maybe you would actually open it up and look at it someday. Other than right. when you move. That's the only time I ever look at those those printouts is like, oh, we're moving. What's this Avon box full of? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's a thousand pages it's, from Prodigy. Here's, here's, here's a, a thing I wrote and never thought of again. And uh, yeah. But sometimes I think about it a lot. And it's just like, but I don't think about the tangibility of it. Right, right, right. Uh, before we get too far away from it, I do want to just... Uh, point out Levi he is is he at Levi Krause on uh I, I believe he is at Levi Krause on, on Instagram uh I just want people to go check him out and I'll, I'll link him in the show notes I'll link his profile uh Levi has a style that reminds me of Sergio Aragonis that is uh, it's a real one of his biggest influences it shows because the 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 he gets so much out of like a simplistic style and then he does those comic pages where he just jams in so many characters and so much detail. And it just reminds me of like the the genius of Aragonis is that you can just look at one of his comics for hours. Yeah. And constantly find new things. And Levi Levi is very much the same way. And and Levi is again, I, I look at creators who have sort of a fearlessness. My wife is fearless when it comes to what she creates. Yeah. Oh, your Levi, wife makes some brilliant paintings for sure. Yeah. And Levi is fearless with what he draws because he will never really make the same thing twice unless he's doing storytelling, which he can definitely do. And he's excellent at he, the characters he creates are all very different from each other. The, the worlds that he creates are all very different. The ideas that he comes up with and he just leans into just, what I would hold back from, like I'd look for a little bit of realism. I would look for a little bit of groundedness. He does not do that. He does not take things and, and pull them down. He just expands and expands and expands. And that's always been really amazing to me. And so that's, that's part of the joy of like the first time when I saw his art, I was like, I really want to write something for Levi's world. Yeah. And that became other things. Um, but it's still like, it, it's one of the top things that I'd love to do. Sure. I mean, it, you want to you want to try to contribute to that that uh, that thing that momentum he has, where it just seems like it goes from his brain to the page. Whereas I will have an idea, uh, just to compare it, I will have an idea, and I'll go, oh, I can't commit this to a page yet. It's not ready. I haven't I haven't overthought this enough. I haven't uh, uh, hammered out like a hundred pages of of sketches of character design sketch. You know, it's just like 
there is a there's an immediacy to his work and i mean that in a very positive way there's like a immediate energy to it that just shows like it it kind of flows and it's uh there's a spontaneity to it that i really like he uh he sent me a message today and he 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 just bought a new house and so he and his daughter moved in there and he hasn't really been feeling artistic lately and today he sent me a picture he's like i drew this cat because i was looking at my my kitchen counter after not drawing for a while and i saw a cat in the 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 design of the counter and he sent me a picture of the counter <laughs> he's like do you see the cat and then he sent me the picture of the cat i'm like yeah i can i can definitely see now it now i see it yeah and yeah. and but so that is again sometimes you'll just you'll put yourself in the wrong headspace when it comes sure, to creating, yeah. and you feel like, well, nothing's inspiring me, nothing's doing anything, and then just the damnedest thing will pop up, and it's up to you to to grasp it, to to just take it and say, okay, yeah, let's run with this. And I am similar to what you were saying. I will get in my own way. I will dance on my own dick to the point of it falling off and like hitting people. But it just <laughs> like. <sighs> Now I've got King Missile in my head. But I just, I know that I I stop myself so much. And then something silly and, and like, meaning nothing to me will just pop up. And if I throw myself at it in that moment, I can make something out of it. I usually find that I will achieve more by doing less. Um, so if I just, if I sit down and I write this dumb little story in a matter of 30 minutes to like six hours, like when I wrote the Lombard, I came home and I wrote the Lombard six hours sitting after work. It was a long day. It was hot. I was sitting in our bedroom on the, on the mattress with my laptop. Aaron came home from work and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just writing something. And then after I was done, that was, that was the story. There's, very little that I do in the way of editing, but this was a good story, and I right. was very happy with it. While I had the idea loosely in my head for a while, it it just it wasn't anything until I sat down. I was like, okay, now something clicked, and I can run with it. And if I had stopped part way, I might not have gone back to it. If I didn't push myself to just throw it all out there, and if I didn't keep that momentum, it may just never have happened. I, I definitely did uh, NaNoWriMo a couple of times, and I've gotten good numbers, and I did finally win once when I was uh, had been recently uh, laid off from a job that I was at for, for 12 years, and I just felt like, well, I have to freaking do this. But they still, they were never enough for me to, like, really follow up with, finish off, like, do everything right. that I needed to, to take care. But the short stories, when I just, like, I'm just going to throw this down and it is what it is. Maybe I'll take a look at it later on. Maybe I'll, I'll reopen it and try to fix something with it, but at least they're done at least it, it beginning, middle end. And that's something. And it, it's funny how it will discount my ability to do that and, and say how much I admire it in, in Aaron, my wife or in Levi. But then I see that, that sometimes that's what I do. And when I do it, it works out. So yeah. I just need to do it a little bit more. 
It's uh it's a discipline to it, but yeah, I get what you're saying. And in the NaNoWriMo, like I, I uh, did that in April. I did, was it April? April, yeah. The camp, yeah. Camp Camp Nano. Um, and I hit my word goal, and I was fairly satisfied with what I wrote. Uh, you know, I don't have any plans to go back and start pulling that thing apart and fixing what's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I could do it. Um, but I'm busy with other things and it just see like the editing, editing is such a, a hard thing to do. Like, it's yeah, not if as I, fun. if no, it's, it's nowhere near as fun. Um, but keeping, uh, keeping that momentum of writing for a month, I, did that fairly, I don't want to say easy in a conceited way, but like as long as I, uh, I kind of gave myself scheduled blocks of time. I'm like, okay, I write every night from seven o'clock for at least an hour, uh, or try to start the morning, you know, with a half hour to a half hour of writing or just like until I hit this, uh, word count for the day. And then, you know, just kind of, if I'm on a roll, keep that roll going. You know, that was the important thing was like, keep that roll going if if I'm I'm on it uh, because I'm going to come up short one day and, and I'm going to need the, the extra buffer. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, f- I felt pretty good about it. But, yeah, the editing thing uh, was tougher. And I found that same thing in um, the screenwriting contest that I've been doing this year, the short screenplay, tight deadline. Um, I can get a story down in a fairly short amount of time, but having the discipline to continually edit it for the rest of the timeline was really difficult for me. Well, you know, nobody joyrides their way to work. You know, when you when you get up and you're like, I want to I want to take a bike ride or I want to get in the car and I just want to drive around. It's never the same place that you go every day. You you feel that right. thrill when you're going in the unknown. Now there are some people who who thrive on on the regularity, the the going. I, I do. I I feel very happy in a a familiarity, a comfort in in just knowing what's going on and what's happening and stuff. I I require that. I got a little OCD on some things, but when I when I'm trying to be creative, it, it is my brain saying, get the hell out of here. You know, let's go do this other thing and let's just have the most fun. Because if it's not fun, there's a lot of other things that are at least sort of fun right. that are a lot easier to do. Yeah. And and for me to convince myself, you know, the discipline that a, that a creator has, that an artist has, or a writer, a musician, that is incredible to me. And I just... I always seem to do my best work when I'm fucking around and when yeah. I'm just, like I said, when I'm avoiding something. I wrote tons of songs trying to avoid doing my history class. I wrote stories, you know, in, in art class, even though I liked art. And then I draw in science class. Well, science class, I usually slept, but maybe in math. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or math I taught. I don't know. I was always avoiding something. And if you put me in a room where it is the most fun that I could ever have, I'm still going to kind of pocket myself away and say, yeah, but maybe I'd rather be doing this other thing. I don't know why. It, I, I, 
I love social activity. I love being around my friends and stuff like that. But every once in a while, my brain just blocks off. It's like, we need to get out of here. I got this other thing that's going on. Sure. It's and, a, a multi-track mind kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I just, I, I feel like with with writing for me, it, it, it shouldn't be pantsing all the time. Planning really does make a big difference for a story. I, I get that. I, I'd rather be a, a half pants, half plotter kind of person, you know, to get the, that joy of both things. But it's still the discipline. I'm struggling with it so much. And I do lean into, I've got this idea. All right, today's the day I'm going to do it. Like not getting up and saying that, but just about to sit down and then I say it. Right. And and I know a big part of it is just getting my ass down on the chair in front of that computer to yeah. write. And some days are perfect days and some days are not so perfect days. And I just have to work at it. So the, the Sunday thing was really like make that part the habit. And then whatever I wrote didn't have to be. It's funny. You were talking about Camp NaNoWriMo. I tried to do Camp NaNoWriMo. Just the other day, I was like, what the hell was I writing for camp? That was two months ago, and I have no recollection yeah, of what yeah. that story was at all. And I know I got a little bit into it, and then I know I wrote something else in the last couple of days of it, and I can't remember what that is either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I hit my word goal for camp and haven't thought about it until you mentioned NaNoWriMo like two minutes ago. So I'm, I'm the same way. Like, like, look, this isn't a project that I have ongoing. It isn't... Um, uh, and this is the thing I've noticed a lot about me is is I see a lot of people post their old work and they go, oh, my God, look at this old work. And they are either embarrassed about it or showing the progress or whatever. Or once in a while, someone will go, I like this thing that you did. And I, I, I will I, I won't forget it, but I will have forgotten about it. Like when I'm done with something, I put it in the drawer and I sit down and do the next thing. And I don't really dwell on a lot of stuff that I that I've done before, um, which is weird because I really do hang up about uh, comments that I get, criticism, you know, like those things will hang with me. But like a lot of like specific projects, I'll do them, I'll put them away, and then I'm I'm moving on. Like I I have books in my inventory that I put out earlier this year that I don't promote anymore. Cause I'm not even thinking about that project, <laughs> even though I have a physical book sitting right next to me. I'm really, really bad about that. Yeah. I've, I, my, my brain has kind of moved on from that thing already. So, and that's, that's uh, very cool too, though. I, I don't mean, know if that's a good to, or a bad thing. Honestly. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I do think some <laughs> artists can get maybe a little too in love with, with what they've made. Now I, I love, what I have written at times, like, and, and I look at the early stuff I wrote and I'm not so much embarrassed by it. I just feel such a joy from it because most of the time when I write, I write for a specific person, you know, it's my best friend. It's, it's my wife. It's a girl that I had a crush on or something like that. It's just something makes me think of that person in association with that story. So when I read some of my stuff, especially the in joke stuff, like the old prodigy things that were with a bunch of people that I knew at the time, like through, the internet we didn't know each other um but that stuff just makes me so happy because it, it brings back the nostalgia of those times but it also it's that kind of raw energy of just not giving a damn 
And sure. that that is really exciting. I always like when I in the in the eighties and the hair metal days and stuff like that, I'd listen to a band and they'd have like their big hit album and then I'd go back to like their earlier stuff, not because I was trying to be like, Oh, you never heard of, of this album from them. Right. But it was just that early stuff was just so raw. It wasn't overproduced. It didn't sound like everything else. You know, by their third album, their fourth album is going to sound the same way. It's going to copy the same patterns. The songs are going to be laid out in the same order. Sure. But that first album was something like, oh, wow, this is when they were still figuring out who they were. They took chances. You know, they put a lot of energy into it. They weren't stuck trying to work this in between tours. They put their best work out into these eight songs and and gave everything they had. And and when I read the stuff, it, it wasn't necessarily like I was giving everything I had. I just didn't hold back. You know, I didn't yeah. see an idea and say, well, that's too dumb. Or I, I just went with the silliest, funniest goddamn thing I could think of to crack somebody up, to crack one person up, to make one person read it and laugh was all I needed. And to avoid my college music class. <laughs> <laughs> And that was all. That's all I need. And this thermos. And this chair. And this remote control. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, like, there's a, there's a real, uh, you talk about, like, the bands. It was, I would, uh, I would, I would get into a band and then I would read, um, uh, like, a Rolling Stone or a guitar magazine, some interview with them. And they'd be like, oh, I, you know, like, I found old bands that way. Like, when I was in high school, I was listening to Cream. You know, yeah. and and stuff like that, and just like going back and going. It, for me, it, it was less about like this band's early stuff, but it's like, what's this band's like early influence? Like, where did this sound start from? And then it's like, oh, this, oh, this is psychedelic music. This is like the real psychedelic music. Okay, that's cool, and that kind of thing. And it's the same thing with like, uh, like filmmakers. Austin and I watched the Evil Dead trilogy. He only knew Sam Raimi from. Spider-Man. Right. And I don't have a, I'm not trying to come off like a, a, a big, I'm not a big Sam Raimi guy, but it was really cool to go, okay, well, this is where he came from. And this is like the very roots. I mean, this is real, no bullshit, no money, indie filmmaking. I think Hammond is the one who told you that you're not a big Sam Raimi guy. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, Hammond, Hammond is uh, uh, definitely a huge Sam Raimi guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to be uh, be a poser, but like, I had seen Evil Dead. I had seen Evil Dead Two. I really enjoy, but I'm not like overly familiar with Raimi. But I, I knew him beyond spite. You know the Marvel stuff, and and it's just interesting to see somebody. Uh, same with like Tim Burton. If you go, like, if you see Tim Burton stuff now, you go, oh, okay, I get it. This guy. CGI nightmare stuff. It's like no, no. Go back and watch his like stop motion stuff. When he had like, to create go, that go, stuff. Go back and when he was he was really really dogging it, man, and making the most creative stuff. It's that's what the the early band stuff reminds me of. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a, a criminal thing to to point out. Oh yeah, you know, at one point George Lucas they were creating all of the characters in Star Wars. Yeah. by by cutting out shapes and, and, and molds and doing all that stuff and building the ships. And then later on, he got to digital and, and it lost its soul. It's like, it doesn't necessarily lose its soul. That's like telling an artist that you can't do stuff on a tablet to draw. Right. And it, it takes something away from it because you used to draw with pen and ink. You know, it, it, it doesn't take anything away. You're, you're making the art that you make. Now, sometimes the tools 
kind of give themselves away as to what they are compared to what they were. And you look at the digital and you say, okay, well, this looks really different from how it used to be. And and some of it is just your own viewpoint, your own nostalgia. Like, well, I loved it like this, so why does it have to be like this other thing now? Right. Because it was perfect. For me, it was perfect. But that was perfect to you from that time, from that moment. And they could do everything the same way forever. But if they never grow, you'll also get bored of it. You'll get sick of it. And you'll you'll look at it and say, well, why aren't you trying this new thing? Why aren't you making these strides that other directors are doing? Why, why would I watch your crappy, you know, effects laden movie with like claymation and things that i've seen a billion times when someone else is doing this huge stuff at ilm that like is is awe striking when i see it on the screen and when i hear that dolby sound come up yeah it all has value it all matters it's just you know sometimes i think maybe the artists lose part of themselves in in handing it over to somebody else that can definitely happen sure i mean like in uh, in the star wars example too you're talking about like two very different eras of George Lucas. Yeah. You know, like you're separating, you, well, you know, a lot of people of look you at, include Howard the duck. <laughs> well, I had nearly erased that nightmare from my, <laughs> from my brain. Uh, but like, I mean, it, it's the technology is 20 years, uh, uh, further along, but so is the creator behind, you know, like, and, yep. uh, and you know, like a lot of the shortcomings of the of the prequels, I always kind of let's just say the differences because I I feel that way too. I I don't love the prequels in the way that I love the original films, but I do recognize that for some people, that's their Star Wars. Sure, but I was just going to say, like, if you have criticisms of, of Star Wars, uh, I'm not. I don't. You're right. Don't say definitively there are shortcomings. They're not for me, but they are for. There's a whole generation of people that they are for. Um, But any criticisms you have to level at them really don't have anything to do uh, or don't have much to do with digital effects. George Lucas was never the strongest director. He was never the strongest uh, writer. He's kind of a he's a visionary in a lot of ways. But getting down to the nuts and bolts of making a film, his best directed film is American Graffiti. Has nothing to do with outer space, right? <laughs> like, it really is like, uh, uh, you know, that's his best storytelling right there, um, which is, uh, I think, always really kind of interesting to tell people. You, you just kind of go, yeah, it's not really like the best. Even stuff in in the eighties, like uh, Willow. Willow was like Ron Howard, wasn't it? Didn't Ron Howard direct that? It was a I Lucas so. film. Yeah, it was. But it, was it wasn't Lucas's like story. And uh, Howard directed it. I, I yeah. know that uh, Lucas co-wrote novels built in the Willow universe with uh, Chris Claremont. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. They they followed so up. Very, that. very wordy novels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and it, again, and Lucas is is guilty only of getting elevated of, of being celebrated so much as the director of the star Wars movies as the creator of the star Wars movies that it was like, okay, well this is all his, his bag. Now he he's in charge of everything as opposed to working with the partners that he worked with in the first trilogy and, and having that kind of group think that uh, to me, it would be so tremendous to be able to work in like a, a TV writing room. That is one of my dreams uh, of, of just like sitting in a room and discussing stories with other people and, and working towards a common goal and everybody bringing their ideas and voice to make something that's unified into something that's better 
than what any of them could do on their own. You know, that is that is the perfect creative outlet in my mind, having never done it. Uh, some people will probably tell you, that's a piece of shit. You don't ever want to go through that. Um, but I think most part, it, uh, writing for TV, if you have a, a good place and, and a good group, a lot of people are pretty happy about it. You know, you hear about the writers on SNL, where at least they're writing their own individual sketches, but then you see, like, people gather a, a season of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Right. Like, there are the, the main writers behind it, but then there's the team that kind of, like, make it all work a little bit more. I, I adore that idea. It, when when it's one person's voice, that can be valuable, too. But that one person may sometimes, again, just not see all the other opportunities. And so, like, for instance, with this story, I wrote the story and I threw it down. I was like, okay, that's it. And I'm out. You know, I just cut it out, move on. It's nothing. It, it took you bringing me your thoughts on it, your interpretations of it, you seeing something in it that I didn't and making something with that that I would have never thought to make to make me appreciate it more. Uh, oh, I, I appreciate that. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think I deserve uh, the credit for appreciation for this, this story. I think. Um, but it absolutely was it, where my appreciation for it came from. Uh, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, take credit for elevating the thing you wrote. The thing you wrote made me want to, draw a piece for it so i i remember i asked you i'm like would you mind if i i drew a thing or two for this um just because i was i was excited that you were writing and i really uh and you you throw things out there and this is um uh, this is gonna sound negative but i don't want you to take it that way you're kind of an eeyore when you when you make a thing and you throw it out there and you go i, I made this thing it's not very good don't pay attention to it but if you want to it's right here you know like you, i've never heard the eeyore comparison in my life <laughs> you, you a thousand kind times of, uh, uh uh tack your tail back on Corey. um yeah. but like you and i i was so excited that you had made something and you had shared it and you know i went in and looked at it and it wasn't uh uh, just a, a daily journal. It was a, it was a fully fleshed out story that you had completely undersold. <laughs> you know where I'm like, oh, this is a this is a really interesting uh, story about like internal conflict and and things that I think are 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 a lot of themes that um, I I definitely identified with, and I think I think a lot of people I I can see how people who deal with depression and anxiety and and a, a, a lot of different things uh could really lock into this story and identify with this story and know exactly what this story you're told uh you wrote is is telling them uh and you wrote a, a thing in your your dedication about how um how th this is about like a, a kind of a darkness that you realize you know, after the fact was kind of hanging inside. This, this story is about a lot of things and you just kind of threw it on your blog and you were like, yeah, here's a, here's a thing I wrote. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I just, I was really impressed that you, um, you would really made this kind of compelling story about something, uh, so universal. And it also like conjured up a bunch of visuals for me. So I'm like, I want to draw a couple of things. And then a couple of things turned into a couple of more things. And then, um, 
I don't, I think I did 20, 25 or 26 uh, illustrations uh, made it into the final, the final version. I did a couple of them twice. Um, and I think I did a couple more that didn't, didn't make the cut in there. But at one point, uh, when I was almost done, I considered scrapping it and just drawing it out as a full, like, comic style. Like, you know, all the way through with the narration running. Um, I, I just, it, long story short, is I found a lot of options for this. This is a really, like, uh, visual story you told, or it conjured up a lot of visuals for me. So um, as, as much as you're saying that I kind of uh, made you take a look at it. I think I found this also very inspiring to me and it, um, it kind of, uh, gave me some room to, I drew, a, I think a little bit looser than I normally do. I kind of experimented a little bit. Um, I don't think I wandered too far, but I think I, I, I played around a little bit. I, I found this to be a really kind of, uh, liberating, uh, project to work on. Plus it was a collaboration with you. I'm not a great collaborator, but, uh, I was happy to work on a piece with you and, and to kind of, uh, join forces with you or piggyback on your coattails or however you want to totally not piggybacking. That, you want to put all. it. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, for, for me, it was, it was, a a really good experience. Um, that I feel like I was pretty lucky to, to have, um, uh, just taken the ball and run with it, um, <laughs> probably further than I was supposed to, <laughs> but, uh, it's funny because I, I think about it now you've drawn me a couple of times just randomly. And, and so there was the, the beard, uh, beard oil or beard oh yeah yeah thing that you drew you just drew some weird ad captain uh, captain temerity's uh <laughs> uh beard oil I think. yeah <laughs> I think. and and then you you drew the picture of me and amy in um in oh the yeah first uh the, the, the furries yeah yeah and and i'm just like what is it that i'm sparking <laughs> That's that's the kind of thing like when I listen to you and Austin, when I listen to to Amy doing Ake Willow or or her new show, when I listen to my friends, in my head it's time with my friends. It, it when I write a story and I'm writing for that singular person again, it it's for me it's time with people that I I love and I care about and and in a way it's collaboration because I might hear their voices coming to me in the dialogue of whatever it is I'm writing, or at least what I feel like they might react to it is, is what's drawing me into it. And I, I think that you and I have had a really good rapport for a number of years. Sure. Um, being lucky enough to find each other doing podcasting stuff and everything. But uh, anybody that I ever talked to and I'm like, Oh yeah, Phil rude. They're like, Oh, Phil, Phil's the best. And and we all agree with it. There's a universal admiration for for you, and I'm very lucky to be in your circle. You know, more than I consider people in mine, I consider like, oh, I'm I'm on the peripheral of theirs. I'm like that little Pluto, not quite a planet thing that's spinning around them. But I'm okay with that because uh, at least I'm here. At least I get to see the 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 solar 
light coming from the center of it. And that's that's perfect for me. But yeah, for for some reason, I feel like you and I always would have found some way to make something together. Sure. I I think uh I think our sensibilities are are similar enough and uh we're both this you know, we're both self-deprecating assholes who uh yeah. <laughs> who uh we 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 need to I think simultaneously push each other and and it keeps the egos in check uh all overall. But um all of that praise I am going to edit out of the final episode cuz I can't have that getting out there. But um no, I uh to mutual admiration society of this thing. Uh I always I think I found you when you were with uh Galactic Netcasts. They were nice enough to let me guest on their uh, uh, their shows a few times here and there. Yeah, when JF was doing a lot of shows with them, I yeah. I kind of discovered them. And you were doing, uh, were you doing Else Nerds with them? Yep. Well, um, Else Nerds was Gregor and I. It spun out of something that Dave and our friend uh, Glenn, who used to work at Twit, uh, they were doing called uh, What's Up Weekly. Okay. And then Gregor and I would guest on that, and then it kind of became our thing to continue on, and we started doing what we're watching weekly, and then it went into Else Nerds when we decided to rebrand it and put it on Galactic Netcast. So it was me, Gregor, and Beatmaster was our producer. Uh, We had, you know, awesome people like Evan, who who would be on there a lot of the times. Some of the people to this day, like, again, I met so many people from doing these podcasts from being yeah. on these shows and, and they are the best people in the world. Like I, I don't have friends around me out here. You know, I've got the people I work with and I'm lucky enough to now live close to my parents after 20 years away. Um, but I don't have people that I hang out with. And so all of my social activity comes from the people that I've been lucky enough to meet and know online. And my friends that are back in California that I unfortunately don't get to visit anymore, but when I when I do, it's it's pretty much it's all through the internet and stuff. But these these relationships don't feel any less than to me, and and often they feel bigger than friendships I've had otherwise. Because again, constantly I I drive to work and I get to listen to you, you know, or I get to listen to to Amy or right or or Brandon or yeah, uh, Brett Nicole and and David and, and David, all these people yeah, all the yeah, yeah. The, these are people who Travis is another one who I I only recently met because Amy's like, oh, you should really go on Travis's show. Travis is great. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know Travis. Let me find out about Travis. And Travis has become this awesome voice in my head all the time that I I really value his opinions on things. I really enjoy l- listening to not only him speak in his shows, but watching sometimes just when he's gaming. You know it, that that's an yeah. interaction that I I am very grateful to have. And so, yeah, the, the, where this came from, it's kind of remarkable. It, it, it is interesting how much doing a silly podcast about, you know, geek shows or about horror movies with, with Matt for a number of years and how many incredible relationships and, Bell. and yeah. friendships came from, from doing podcasts of terror. Like, yeah. And I, I, Still, I don't get to spend the time with Matt that I did by doing a show every week now. But anytime we like just randomly text each other, there's just just that brotherly love that there's that like this is one of my favorite people. I will live and die by being this person's friend. 
Right. You know, yeah. as long as I go on, I, I am grateful that I get to be, you know, kind of family to him and, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Austin and I have talked about that a lot because when we started this show, um, you know, a lot of people that I knew from uh, podcasting, just podcasting buddies and the whole community, you know, a lot of people sent us messages like, hey, uh, glad, you know, good to see you, uh, you guys doing a new show. Good luck. I mean, we got like so much right out of the gate. And Austin was kind of like, wait, you know what? <laughs> Is this like normal? I'm like, yeah, kind of, you know, like if you have the right people around you. Yeah. Like, and we've, I'm, you know, we get, we have a really small listenership, but we get feedback. We get comments. We get uh, emails and, and, you know, people who, you know, Amy will text me and be like, hey, uh, you were talking about this and check out this guy. And, the, you know, like it, it's just, it's this really cool um, uh, kind of small network around us. And, yeah. and when you, we, you do shows around people and you, you know, you're kind of bouncing off of them and you guest on each other's uh, shows or like, you know, you and Matt did uh, pot for so many years, like David and I did broke pot for three or four years. And, yeah. uh, we just did our, uh, short series on, on Barry. And really it was like, it was such a thrill to sit down with David every week for, for a short time. And, and just to talk about this thing that we're really into and, you know, kind of just pick up right where we, we left broke pot at, you know, it's just, you know, you, you podcast with who you podcast with because you're friends with them. Like, it, it really, you know, this isn't radio. This isn't a a big business where your paycheck's involved for most of us. This is like... You, you have to love you, it. You do this to hang out with your friends and, yeah. and you know, uh, to talk about things that you're really into. If you, you know, it, it, and to bring it to art or writing. Yeah, I've seen so many people be like, if you're getting into this for money go get a business degree. Like there's so much <laughs> better ways to make money than, than in creativity and entertainment and things like that. Like, and, just... and honestly getting a business degree is not against doing the, the art, but it, no, you also should, you should expect to, if you love something and you want to work towards it, you should expect to be able to find some success with it and maybe make money at it. Sure. And, and certainly get paid for your time, get paid for the, the work and stuff that you do. And I worked on a, like not even my story. Levi was doing a comic for uh, friends that he, he'd known for a long time. They had a, a, a loose, plot that was written by uh john russo who was the creator of the night living dead with george romero okay. uh john wrote the story for it and everything um or at least the the novelization so he he just kind of like had this basic like idea of what the story was and levi was supposed to draw that out and then the other artist was going to draw over it with with her characters and stuff so it was already a really big collaboration piece. And Levi's like, hey, you know, I can't make heads or tails of this. Can you maybe do something with it so I can get what I need to to put the pictures into, into motion and stuff? And I, I wrote a, a script from it. And I, I filled in dialogue and everything. And it's still, like, it, it's John's story. But I got to have a co-writer credit right. <laughs> with the guy who did Night of the Living Dead. 
Um, that's pretty awesome, man. And 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 and, and Levi's like, well, I'll, I'll pay you. And I'm like, I don't ever want you to pay me. I, I, I love this so much. He's like, yeah, but you're writing something for me. This is not your project. You're doing the work for me. Now, Levi has more than earned anything that I could ever write for him without cash passing hands. But it, it's the same thing like with this. It's, I don't want any money, any income that would come from this if there is anything. You know, I was like, put it on your site. Just... Just make it another thing that people can do to support you. You're like, no, we got to split it, you know. And and you were yeah. you were like, we were arguing about whose name should go first. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you did all this artwork, Phil. Your name should be at the top. You're like, why the hell would my name be at the top? I didn't write this story. This is uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh yeah. I mean, at a certain point, we were just kind of uh passing the ball back and forth but neither of us want to take credit for this piece of crap (laughs) i'd love to leave your name off it completely Corey. Uh, i just i mean yeah at the end of the day you know we said okay we're putting this out we're putting this out together you know we'll split whatever we get but i mean the, the collaboration is the important thing the 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 story getting out there uh that was what was really important to me uh, if we make a few bucks on it, you know, all that much better. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I just get—I uh, don't—I don't want to sit here and fight over uh, whose name is bigger on the cover. Corey. And that's the thing <laughs> is that in our relationship, we wouldn't have to fight over that stuff. <laughs> right. And that's—that's that's a collaboration versus you know writing work for hire, writing something for somebody else. And and so when I when I say you should expect to be paid, there are caveats that can be made in relationship stuff sure. you know yeah. with, if you're doing something with your friends i'm not saying you shouldn't expect to make money off it i'm not saying you shouldn't expect some sort of contract if you really do take it to that next level but at the beginning if it's just about making something with your friends and that's where the joy comes from then let it be joyous but when you do work and and it's work coming from your art you should expect to to be rewarded for the things that you do because you put that work into it. You've spent years being an artist. You've spent years learning to be an artist and and making art and and you produce art at a professional level. So you should expect to be paid for the work that you do. You know, and writers the same thing is like if you're a writer, you should the classic fuck you pay me I'm the writer kind of thing <laughs> of uh but maybe you know the 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 chance of of putting it in a nicer way or, or or leading with expectations first but when people come up to you and they say oh yeah you should draw me this and then balk at the the fact that you quote them sure. a, an accurate yeah. price for it you know that i've watched my wife undersell her art at, at at the cost and stuff of what she could get and and people try to pay her more and force her to take more for the stuff that she's done to to build up her confidence to get her to go, oh, yeah, I guess I should charge more for this. I guess I can achieve these other things, you know. And when she gets her gallery showings and when she gets people who want to do books with her and stuff like that, all that stuff happens. And she's still kind of like, oh, OK, yeah, she she doesn't have the, the lack of ego in the way that I do. But she's not at that point where she's just so egotistical that she expects everybody to just like fall over for. Her. She knows she has her audience. She knows she has her style, and and she also knows that she will always be drawn to what she's drawn to. She won't focus on something enough to make that that leap of being 
oh, this is Tim Burton. You can see it. I recognize everything he's doing in this because it all kind of like looks the right. same at this point. But he's got the success. So same thing with Zack Snyder. It's like people who love Zack Snyder will know what they're getting when they see a Zack Snyder movie. That's fine. But she chases what she finds interesting. And so she doesn't expect the same financial success that she would get if she just made the stuff that people expect her to make. I think she does a, a thing that is very much what I've um, found myself wandering towards the longer I do this is is sort of like, I'm going to do what I do and my people will find me. I'm right. not going to try to appeal to the masses. And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about how the algorithms are making that much harder than it used to be for your people to find you, uh, even though they were designed to, you know, basically uh, connect those dots. Um, but it's it, it, it is really respectable to see someone like her, uh, someone like Levi, uh, uh, someone like you. I think you write for yourself largely um, in, in, you know, you're kind of... Uh, putting out your writing and saying, this is just what I did. And if you like it, you know, hang out. I got more of it. You know, like it's a, it's a very much like, well, I don't, let's not get crazy and say I got more of it. I mean, well, you know, we got this one, Um, but (laughs) no, you know, it's, it's really cool. And uh, by the way, uh, uh, hag attack on, uh, is she on Twitter? Underscore attack is on Instagram. Yep. On, on Instagram uh, is, is Aaron. That's Corey's wife. Please, uh, look her up. I've shouted her out on the show before because I bought a painting from her finally uh, in this last year. She does amazing grotesque children's artwork. It's Yeah, look her up, but don't do it in front of HR. Y- yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do it on company time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, it's uh, and, and part of the I, I think we see a lot of it in one of the few places I I check in with on Facebook. I'm not hardly on Facebook at all anymore, but like the weird art group that uh, you guys invited me to, like there's so yeah. much cool stuff in there. Yeah. Um, of people and, just uh, doing their own buddy, thing. Dan, it's, it's Rich so Ragsdale, yeah. who is amazing, who I met through podcast of terror and, you know, is, is very influential to, to my wife and is very supportive of my wife's artwork too. It, it, it is, um, it is amazing the the amount of, of creatives that you can kind of like find yourself falling into knowing and yeah. and the the mutual respect even if you're doing very different things you just you look at it and you go okay that might not be my my deal but holy crap is it incredible to look at is yeah. it, it's just like you can see the talent uh, coming off of it JF is is somebody like how the hell do I know JF Debo how the yes. hell do I know this guy? I, I'm reading his his sequel to A God in the Shed right now, and and I'm loving every second Son of it. Of Sandman, yeah. As 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 a book, I'm loving every second of it, but I'm just loving it so much more because it's JF, right. and it's this guy. Like I know this dude, and I, 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 I talk I with this dude. Same for reaction, hours. yeah. When I when I read, uh, 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 especially the his last two novels, you know. Um, I read them. I'm like, this is just a, this is a professionally written novel and it, it reads like a professionally written novel. And then I'll go, Oh wait, someone I know wrote this. Like someone J- I know- J- J- JF wrote this. And I read JF 
first book, I've seen JF come a long way in, not that the quality of his, his early stuff was bad. It was just rougher. And it, it the, the edges have been smoothed out. What he's writing now is so great. It is just a polished professional novel. And you're just like, how do I know this guy with the, I don't know. I don't know these people who, who make professional level work like that. And it's and, not and, even like you, you went to high school and, and right. one of the people you went to high school with turned out to be Clive Barker. It's like, you, you still know him kick through it with a creative Clive. community where, where you came together as peers and you're like, what is going on here? This isn't even, but it's, it's is, like, it's yeah. like Clive still shows up at your barbecue once in a while. You know, <laughs> right. that's what it is. It's, it's not, I just know this guy and he turned out to be super talented and, and, and blew past us like some freaking comet. No, it's like, Oh, that comet is still hanging out with me. Yeah. And, and, and still doesn't just like, he, he deigns to speak with me. This but, comet doesn't know he doesn't have to talk to me. Anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, JF is, is also, you know, he's he's someone who wrote a sci-fi book and then wrote a horror book. Yeah. And then uh, his audience is like, what the hell? I don't know what to make of this. Because you, you do one or the other, or you, you put a different name on one or the other. You don't do them concurrently. And he's like, but this is what I'm writing. This is I what say, I write. I say to hell with, with don't do a concurrent. I, I, you know, we've. Watch Neil Gaiman write whatever the hell he wants for his whatever whole career. Wants. Like yep. you know, I, I'm but just, by the I'm, time that started happening, Neil Gaiman was already Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman had a name. I, I get the the when your your name is your brand, it it is different. But you know, I uh, well, why do we got to pigeonhole everybody? Why no, you, we you know, don't. Like, we absolutely yeah. don't. But we we know, and and JF as a as a marketing person knows too. Right. It's it's not going to make things easier when it comes to selling your stuff. Because people do want to pigeonhole you. Yes. Society and and certainly marketing people want to... We need to know what your brand is so that's what we can sell. And JF's brand should just be, well, he's a really fucking talented dude. Right. He's a writer. Yeah. Um, just, just bar none. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's he's a, a writer. He's a storyteller. And, and, and that's... Uh, that that should be enough. But yeah, I know he, he struggled with that when he was like, you know, do I... Do I jump into a whole nother, you know, and it's, it's just kind of like, I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, uh, but, it, you know, when when we live in that world where we know that everybody wants to put you in a box, yeah, it 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 is hard to kind of go. Or a shed, if you will. Oh, or a shed, or uh, to keep an eye on, to put a camera on you in the shed <laughs> and just make sure that you're not um, skinning cats and... and <laughs> <laughs> things like that but um in, but he also this... he he does the other thing that i admire so much which is he's like oh yeah i want to i want to do this art project with my best friend you know and i i, I yeah. want to make this thing that is going to showcase how talented amy is um because i didn't realize how amazing she was and it's like crap we need to show this off to the world we need to show this to everybody how do i help do that how do i take amy and say look you might not understand how fucking phenomenal this person is here's ake willow you know and and do that which which also works to showcase his talent but he really it it, i don't want to get into the 
the ideas of where everything came from completely because that's not my story. But you do see so much respect and care out of that friendship making a project that is so beautiful and perfect as what that that show and what the story is behind it has turned into what it is. And and I feel like that's probably why that's gotten the success that it has. Still not what it deserves yet, but I, I expect it to get there because people can just see the pure love and joy in it. And in a in a dark, you know, cozy mystery story about yeah. food, it, um, it's uh, it's it's just a straight up good partnership and and uh, good collaboration where it's you know JF's JF's writing it and Amy's narrating it and they they're neither one of them is trying to do the other one's job and, and it just they're they're trusting each other to to do the work. And that's what I think comes through. There's no egos driving it. I mean, um, it's, it's a perfect collaboration between <clears throat> between friends, between partners and friends, and and um, you know that's not that's not an easy balance to strike. Uh, collaborations are are really hard. Uh, I've tried it, to write with my best friend. I mean, we we met on the Prodigy boards. We both write very well in each other's ideas and styles, but to collaborate to take and make a story from the two of us together. It's hard. It's hard to make that yeah. leap because again, I want to close the door. I want to back away from everything. And, and when my ideas strike, it's like, I need to run hot with this right now and never look at it again. And that's not how to do that's something right. in collaboration. It's it's a it's a really tough uh, line to walk, and I think that's that that might be part of the reason I I feel like our uh, project here was such a success is because we didn't you know it was in the same way we're talking about JF and Amy uh, not quite as polished as that maybe um, on both uh, fronts, but uh, the idea of each one doing their job. I feel like, you know, you wrote it and you didn't tell me what to draw. And I didn't, you know, come in and start picking your writing apart. We're just like, we're each bringing what we bring to this and, um, and putting it together and letting it be. I guarantee and, you. I, I, and believe me, it has been on my mind to work with you. It has been on my mind. I to guarantee write something you, for I want to do, I, I wanted to correct every one of those songs <laughs> you sent me. <laughs> no, I, it, it has been, my goal to write something for you to draw, but if you had asked me to write the thing to draw, right. it would not have been this, and and I would have probably completely frozen and flubbed it. The, the The fact that I wrote this with no expectations, and then you drew it with no expectations for me, is what allowed it to happen, what allowed it to exist. Um, you made the art that you felt you needed to make for it. I wrote the thing that I felt I needed to, to regurgitate out of my stomach like a baby bird and, and hope <laughs> that somebody else would come over and peck at it a little bit. Um, that that's it. it. If if it had been, if it had been forced, if it had been yeah planned, probably not. It was, uh, it was almost an accidental collaboration. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it, same. I've, I mean, I've I've been working in the freelance market for the past few months, 
Um, and I feel, I feel a definite pressure when I'm drawing something for a, a client. Um, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing comics for pay for the first time in my life, you know, that I've, I've been hired specifically, uh, you know, on a contract to draw comic strips for a guy. Deservedly so. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, but I have a lot of nerves when it comes to actually putting ink down on the, on the page. It, it is just sort of like, I know I can do this. You know, I've been doing this for a few months now. I, I, I know what I'm doing in terms of this. I've, I've drawn comics for a few years. Um, and I, I know that I can do the work. Uh, and, and the guy, Bob cam that I'm drawn for is, uh, fantastic. He's, uh, great. He's really encouraging with everything I'm doing. Uh, he likes what I'm turning in, but I still, when you're, you're drawing specifically for somebody else and it's the real editorial process, it really like it's, it's nerve wracking in a different kind of way. Yeah. Um, I think I... the biggest things I had to get over in drawing this book was, um, drawing likenesses. I drew you, uh, several times. And in, by the in time several I, I states in several states, and by the time I started putting you through uh, uh, different states uh, physically, I had kind of honed you into a character. So I wasn't drawing Corey anymore. I was yeah, drawing, that, I definitely because yeah. there's the point where you drew me real thin. You have no photo reference for that. That doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to draw the other end of that spectrum too to show the change, and I wanted to make sure I'm like, well, I can't, I, I can't draw Corey. I mean, there's too, obviously room for insultingly two heavy here in this torso as it is, but uh, um, yeah. But I, I, I drew your wife in in uh, uh, one of one of the panels, and that yep. that was one I was really worried about because I don't know Aaron as well, and I'm like, if I if I don't hit this right. Uh, you know, if you if you try and draw a likeness of somebody and you flub it, it can be very insulting. Like it can and I'm always very worried about like, is this gonna insult somebody? I don't look like that, you know, like uh I've heard I've heard people who draw caricatures talk about that a lot. Like mm-hmm. which is something you're obviously already distorting what somebody looks like and then people will get really mad. Uh, I mean but- I would I would rather draw caricatures than a portrait because yeah the differences are part of the the joy of what that right. that art piece is uh portrait uh, this is going to look photorealistic no <laughs> yeah, it's not you know not, <laughs> not when i'm doing it no um but yeah i did i did feel uh, a little bit of pressure doing those but um uh you ran that by Aaron, and she she was like it happy so i was like okay all right that's um that's a load off there so and what's funny is Aaron had no idea about this story until I started showing her your art from it. She hadn't read it until she saw it as you presented it. Um, and and that that is maybe another statement about how I am with my writing. Is uh, yeah. She's always asked me, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should work on this this thing with, with Phil. And, and I'm like, yeah, okay, but I'm not doing it because... Damn it! I'm not worth it. You, know? <laughs> you, you, you talk about Aaron undervaluing her 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 art, her creativity. Like, I mean, you. Uh, well, she we'll, learned to value. We'll it. have this conversation I'm, I'm, I'm in another there. in another format, but uh, yeah, like it's 
Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta show your stuff. You gotta show it at least to your wife. You know, well, like yeah, like, I don't, <laughs> your I wife don't hide your wife. it. I mean, I, I if right. I if I post it on my website, you know, she knows what URL is. Uh, but I just I don't think to say too much about it. And and just in general, like sometimes I just write stuff, and it again, it's for that audience of one to maybe sure. help get me to the point where I'm willing to get to an audience of five. Um, but uh, your audience of one can be your yourself as well. Like, yeah. I mean, like that's, that's the big one. I, I feel like, uh, I create for is especially this year, I think with my writing more than ever, I am writing more and more for myself and I feel like I'm getting farther with it. I feel like I'm having more breakthroughs and then it's like, if anybody else wants to read this or enjoying it, great. But first and foremost, I, I have to do it for myself or I just won't do it anymore. And that's what I used to do. And then at some point, someone offered to publish me. And I was like, what does that mean? Uh, because I was so ignorant of, of what writing was other than just, oh, I'm just putting words down on paper. Oh, I'm just making up stories. But somebody said, oh, yeah, we would really love to publish your book. You know, it was It was supposed to be I was going to write comics for somebody and then we were talking about oh well because you do so much prose it, it seems more likely and i'm like what's prose uh and they're like you should <laughs> we should do something called a galaxy novel which is more like what this is where it's it's art with words up there but it's it's yeah. still prose writing and everything and and then they're like geez man we should just publish your book and i froze the hell up i was like i don't know what that means i'm freaked out I'm out. You know, I, I just walked away from this really incredible offer that anybody probably would have just jumped all over on. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, and and so I it took me years just to find the simple joy of writing for no good goddamn reason again. Um, and and that that is really stupid. <laughs> that is as I understand it, that is so dumb. But it makes so much sense for me because when I wanted to be a a disc jockey and, and do radio and stuff like that, I just froze up immediately when the opportunity was there. When I was looking so hard at being a musician and uh, and was going to college for music, I said, fuck this, I'm skipping finals and going to California, which is kind of what a musician would do. I mean, yeah, that sounds like you passed the class, man. Yeah, uh, I spicolied. I, I, when I was writing songs and someone wanted to use my songs, all of a sudden I was like, I'm not going to write songs anymore. Uh, all these things that stuff kind of fell in my lap and was a little too easy to me. I was like, right. there's no reason for this to be happening. I'm doing, I didn't earn any of this. Uh, I'm going to go do this other thing. I'm going to, I'm going to go not be challenged by whatever it takes to make this actually work. I'm going to go to do something that's more fun because it's not challenging in the least. It, it's it's something to say that at this point in time, I find writing fun again. Um, but I find it fun without having to do something with it. Every time I think about what I'm going to do, like, am I going to write an actual book book? Like, I can't just write a book. i got to write a series because the things that I come up with aren't small enough to just be a book. Right. So I focus on writing short stories because, to me, they're small enough to accomplish. And if I practice on the short stories, if I can make myself believe that I can write those, then the step to a book 
isn't as far. And then the step from a book to a series might not be as far then. It, but I'm still getting through that first like curb of, of just like, don't trip on the way up because you're going to hit your chin and fall all the way back down again. And that is, again, today I put together an author page on Amazon. And I only had the reason to do it because of this. Because of you promoting this in a way that I would not have. Um, just like the first time I got actually published was because Levi had me write something for him. And the first time I wound up with something in print was, again, because Levi had me write something for him. The things that keep happening to me are almost always because somebody else believed in me in a way that I wasn't willing to. Um, I, I get that, man. I, uh, I, I, all the things you said, I think the thing that stuck with me is like you kept kind of pivoting away from the thing you were trying to do. Uh, and I, you say I would go do something that wasn't challenging. Um, but I think you're, you're kind of selling yourself short because it's not that it's not that you shy away from challenging things, turning away from like being a DJ to writing songs, writing songs is not easy. Like that's challenging. Every, everything you chose to do is challenging. The difference is when it becomes a business, it becomes, there's a pressure on you. There's an expectation. And I think that's what, you know, you talk about shying away, like don't cross your words because you, you're not lazy. You're not shying away from something that's hard. You're, uh, the, the, when things crystallize and, and all of a sudden there's expectations that you don't know how to anticipate. It sounds like you have like a lot of anxiety on that. Yeah. Don't tell me I'm good at something. Armchair diagnose you, uh, uh, of your anxiety disorder. Corey. Never make me feel <laughs> like I'm succeeding. That, that, <laughs> but, just, that throws uh, off my whole groove. You know, I, I get it, man. Like I, uh, I've self-published books for like, uh, 10 years. I think this is uh, 10 years ago. I self-published my first book. And it was a children's book, and it was just this picture book as an art book. Um, and I ordered a bunch of them just to sell off my site. I had a whole box full of them. And I sat there on my counter, and I put the link up, and then I went and I uh, I took it down. I was like, no, I'm going to just throw these in the trash. I can't, you know, like, it was. it became real as soon as I posted a, a store link to it. And that was like... It took me a, a minute to get over that and, and, you know, for me to, for it to be out there and for it to start getting some, some feedback. And it, it was, of course, just people that I knew, people who were trying to support me and people who were just, you know, even in my mind as I'm going, they're just being nice to you because they're your friends. Uh, and that may be, but it, it did help me realize like, oh, you can put it out there and like nothing bad is going to happen to you. Like, right. you know, and it just is like, I'm, I'm glad you have an author page. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, we have this book out there that we did together. Um, Unless know, we it, go back to the jerk and the guy opens up the phone book and sees the guy's name and says, sounds like a total asshole. And he hates these cans. <laughs> I'm like, publish my Amazon page. Things are going to start happening to me now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, stay away from the cans has to be my favorite line from that movie. <laughs> um, but I, I just, uh, I, to bring it back to Nick to Tate, I am, this is your story 
through and through. But I'm so glad to be a part of it, and I'm I'm glad that we put it out there, and I, I'm glad that other people are starting to find it and um and giving it a chance. It's a it's a weird, strange kind of dark story, um and and it's just it's not something that uh I I think is is in this zeitgeist of like this is going to have this mass appeal. This is, I think a uniquely told story uh, from both of our parts that I think is our fingerprints uh, combined. And I, I, I'm just super proud of that, that we're putting our own voices out there. And I really, I really hope you are uh, uh, playing up your reluctance for it. And I, I hope that you are as proud of this as I am, Corey. I, let, let's be clear. I'm not reluctant for this project um, because, again, I found a faith in it that I would not have had if not for what you brought to it. I will, I will sell the hell out of a Phil Rude book uh, any day of the week. You know, more than I will. Yes. Even if it's polluted with my goddamn name across the top of it, too, I I will absolutely stand behind your work and and your vision. And like I said, you know, because of what you brought to it, it made me assess my writing in a in a little bit of a kinder way. You know, it made me enjoy this story a little bit more. It made me look at the things and and see it because again, I didn't look at it when I wrote it. Um, I just, I just put it down. I, it was, it, there was so nothing to it, um, that I, I couldn't have imagined that there was anything there. It, it was, it was not an effort. And because of that, I was just like, well, you know, fuck it. It didn't take anything. It doesn't have to bring anything. Now it, it kind of brought something. It, it pushed itself back up into my eyesight. And now I have to look at it and say, okay, is there seriously something here? I struggled editing just some spelling changes and a couple of lines here and there to fix it like it was it was done four times over and I'm like oh no wait I need to I need to adjust this oh no wait I, I see that there and like I never do that why would I do that there's no reason to no one's ever gonna see it that's gonna be in freaking print uh now it's on your website and it represents you I want to do a good job because it represents you um oh that goes both ways right so. Yeah, but but it it also it will be the the first thing that I'm putting up to buy like this. Um, I mean, I guess I'm technically in that hardcover collection with that that story I did for for Levi and his friend. Um, but yeah, it it's I'm happy that it got to be better than I would have let it be without without you. Um, and I, I'm happy because it does make me look at, all right, what do I do after this? You know, what is the next thing I do? Right. And and I'm pissed off because I was, like, in a way, I was disrupting what you were doing with, with your time of, of doing art and stuff. I was like, well, what the hell, Phil? You're not supposed to be wasting time on me. You know, you got other things that you're supposed to be doing to to get your work as an artist. I'm like, what is? 
don't this fuck around over here. I mean, you, you, you make it sound like I didn't. I don't have something to show at the end of this. We're, no, and that's we're the thing. We're sitting here talking I, about this thing I right now. I give you like, shit all the time. Of like, well, you do have books out. You do have these things. I can buy your books. That's amazing. And you're like, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. I just self-published it. It's like, no, you completed this. People can get this. It, it's the same thing I kept saying to Levi. It's like, people aren't going to discover Levi's world if it doesn't exist anywhere. Like, you made something. It 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 happened. You got to let people see it and be a part of it. And like, okay, sure. You know, if I'm the one who has to push you to do that, absolutely. So someone fucking did that for me. And we'll push you back. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's uh, it's I I I think you'll you'll find there are more people willing to to push you to do that than than you realize. I think there's a lot of people who want to see more work from you. And, um, and I think there's a lot of people who, uh, would be happy that they did if, if, if you're discoverable now in the, in the same way you wanted to make, uh, you know, help Levi get his stuff out there. I think, I think there's a lot of people who want to help you get, get your words out there as well. Uh, so, uh, if I can be a small part of that, then I am, I'm happy. Then this is already like successful. Yeah. Well, I mean. If if I was willing to write a story for one person, then then writing it for my friends who are willing to to support or whatever, that that's definitely that's a huge step up as it is. So I, I'm never going to see this as a failure, having done that. You're no failure. You have an Amazon author page <laughs> and a, uh, a probably 15 year old photo on it. <laughs> I like to put young photos of myself up there. It's yeah. Like, I, why are you wearing that graduation cap? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. Um, uh, print. Is it? We have our our book is now in print. Is that it, correct? It, it is available to order. I have not done anything as posting link yet. I was waiting to to speak with you and have that. But yeah, Ooh, no. The exclusive right here. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I I don't really have like a. A link or anything to it, like your special uh, Scott Rude link that you made for uh, yeah, uh, Coffee Site. Uh, that, yeah, that was just a tiny URL for um, for that. But I will put a link uh, to the Amazon listing in the show notes uh, mm. for we this. We could probably episode. see if the third Gallagher can can try to pitch uh, it. Yeah, we could. We could. <laughs> we could link <laughs> that. That uh, that really uh, <laughs> knocked me off my chair for a minute. That was really funny. Um, but I, yeah, I will put a link for the Amazon listing for the physical book. I will leave a link for, um, for the, uh, digital, for the PDF download. Uh, I'll link Levi, I'll link Aaron, I'll link captaintemerity.com. I'll, I'll have a list of links in the, uh, uh, description for this episode. So we mentioned a lot of great people, a lot of great places to go for content. Um, so, and, and I would. I mean, there's never going to be a time I'm not going to try to support the the people that I, I love and know. Uh, we talked about it, you know, the the community. It's not just podcasters, but just I mean, all the all the creative people that we know uh, around us. I think are are worth following, and it's why Austin and I do things like shout outs uh, on our show, so we can, you know, give props to uh, to the people who support us uh, in, in most of the time. 
And to the the people that don't even know you, sometimes you just shout out things because it's interesting to you. You, you yeah. find something and you're like, this is this is really cool, you know. And it's an insight into who you are, the the things that inspire you. But it's also just sometimes it's nice to just say, hey, here's this thing. You, you might have heard of it because it's popular right now, or you may never have seen it before. And I just think it's kind of awesome. And that's the the word of mouth that people. They're, they're always asking, you know, uh, smash the subscribe button, hit the alert button or whatever. But that's not what gets people to to try something out. It's it's a heartfelt, hey, I think this thing's really cool. Or I think right. this person is really awesome. And and go check this out because it means something to me. And if you're following me, then you might really dig this too. Give and and that, yeah. that's a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, many, so much stuff that like Austin has has brought to the show as recommendations I'll go check it out. A lot of it's not for me. I mean, I'm right. You know, 25 years old. <laughs> you know, it is, there is the generation gap, but it is like there's something interesting there, and there's something interesting in knowing like, oh, this clicks with him, and it just you know, even somebody you know really well like that, you get to see a, a, just a little bit more of their personality. In, yep. Oh, he watches this guy who's, uh, you know, just talking about replanting trees and and doing it by drone and, and like how interesting that is. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, but like just to bring it back to community, like I can't shout out Ake Willow enough. I'm glad we spent ten minutes talking about something. Neither, I, I, I don't think neither there's a time that I won't. With. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's ever a point where I won't talk about Ake yeah. Willow. Um, uh, that's one of those recommendations I'm constantly telling you. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for for narrative uh, uh, podcast, Ake Willow. Check out Ake Willow. They're like, eh, I don't know, maybe uh, this one. I go, Ake Willow, why? Ake Willow. <laughs> Please listen to Ake Willow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I will, I'll put a link to Ake Willow up there. That's too. exactly what you should do. Um, but, yeah, all those will be in the show notes uh cory you want to shout out your social media or uh uh website blog uh, live journal is your live journal still up you, my you live wanna... journal is strangely still up <laughs> uh i haven't written in it in 20 years but uh phil was kind enough to to recommend captain verity captain uh under my my author bio in the the story and that does lead to that little somewhat neglected uh, blog site. But if I am going to put anything up, it's probably going to be there. I've, I've paid a little bit more attention to Twitter lately uh, by creating a Twitter that is focused strictly on writing and other creative endeavors and stuff, not just me. Uh, I post on a very little, but I follow people more who are writers and, and publishers and people who are kind of like in that idea of like making things. And, and I'm trying to spirit joy into myself of of what that is and and what that does and how other people uh find their their drive in it to to give it to me a little bit back um so that that twitter is ccs rights um and and if you follow me i'm likely to follow you back if you're a cool person because i mean i just look for something to to come across my screen that that makes me spark on an idea or just enjoy a little bit of back and forth conversation if possible Cool. CCS writes, uh, if you're cool, he'll follow you back. Yeah. And even so if you're yeah. not, I mean, you have to be cool. What am I doing? <laughs> hey, follows me. You don't have to be that cool. Uh, Corey, uh, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, thank you for this collaboration. 
and thanks for being a, a friend and a big supporter of my work for, for several years now. Um, I, I just, you were one of the cool kids with galactic net netcast when I, when I first met you and, uh, uh, you know, we somehow became friends. Uh, I was a nobody. And so as much as you feel like you're on the outside looking in, I really was like, I, those galactic netcast dudes, I, I was all of you guys. I was like, that's like the cool lunch table in high school. The ones who like go out and smoke in the parking lot and don't care if teachers catch them. Like it's, yeah, like, but I was the Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> yeah, it I, was, I was. I was. You not were still the at that kid. table, man. Uh, and and I just. Uh, but no, to uh, have gotten to know you over these these several years, um, uh, you've been super helpful uh, to to me and my art, and super supportive, and uh, it's just meant the world. So um, I'm I'm glad that we could uh, uh, do this podcast for one. You know. We need to have more of these non-podcast conversations where we were just, you know, bullshitting for the hell of it. Uh, and uh, that's the only way I know how to podcast. I I, I know <laughs> the rambling for the past hour and a half should clue you into uh, why we needed show notes for this. <laughs> Invite JF the next time I'm on make. and uh, and watch out. But uh, I do. I very much appreciate uh, this whole collaboration and and I, you spending your your evening with me here. Uh, it it was a total pleasure. You know, I I get to do this. Uh, public podcasting stuff so rarely anymore and it, it is uh, a great joy and it is because of the people like you and and everybody that we've already mentioned and so many more that is uh just like sparking ideas sparking conversation enjoying each other's company you know loving the friends that you get to make and meet is is just the best thing in the world and if, if there's one thing that the internet has done right for all of us it's that it's it's hard to see it through all the bullshit sometimes, but yeah, uh, yeah. Between you being on uh, wait, you haven't seen with Travis and and here, we're gonna get you back podcasting. Uh, we, we're gonna just get that ball rolling down the hill. Uh, I keep threatening it. I keep thinking about it. It's one of those things. It's probably gonna be somebody's gonna kick me in the nuts to make it happen because I'm not gonna do it on my own. We'll get you there. But um, uh, as for. Uh, me, I am at Phil Rude on Twitter, at Phil Rude 75 on Instagram. Austin's not here, but he is at Austin and Rude on uh, Twitter and at Old Who Review, if I'm remembering that right. That is correct. Um, so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad Corey knows my how to get a hold of my son better than I do. <laughs> one of the one of the great little um, synapse firings in my head every week is like when you guys do the ad for the the podcast thing that you which I, now I'm blanking on the name of it. Oh, anchor. But yeah, yeah. The, if the, the if anchor, you don't know anchor. about anchor.com, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Mm -hmm. Every week, I'm like. It's free with Austin. Like every week yeah. <laughs> I say it in unison to do my best Austin impersonation because it, it just makes me so happy that <laughs> moment when he says it in the ad. And and I just know I, I'm like, I'm lean back and I'm ready for a great time. We probably need to update that. Never update that, that like, in your life. <laughs> I will, gonna, I will run dissipate yeah. in front of you. <laughs> I will just, I will crumble away into nothingness because you will have taken that from me. All right. Well. 
uh, uh, the gods have spoken. But or uh, I'll just yeah. have an MP3 of it playing. That'll be my <laughs> ringtone. It'll be. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, check us out on Anchor.com. If you don't know about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I think that was right at the beginning of getting Austin on mic, and you had to give him these just these little short sentences to say until he would get his momentum up. But uh, yeah. It's so and- no nonsense and no bullshit and perfectly Austin. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's Austin. Anyway... Uh, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Corey and I ramble uh, for however long this has been. Um, we really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you next time on The Picture Show. Uh-huh.